Hey, everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for another exciting episode of On the Ladder Side of Baseball. And we are joined by my co-host. He's been reinstated. He was on probation. You know, he was kind of dodging the bullet. But uh, Greg Kashan, the voice of the Milwaukee Brewers postgame, pregame, and just an all-around treat to uh, watch on TV. And I have to say that because he's kind enough to do these podcasts. What's up, buddy? <laughs> Hey, at least I wasn't uh, didn't face an eighty game suspension, so maybe an eighty day suspension, but it's all good, man. I've been so bummed about baseball that I needed you to come back and do a show with me. The last show we did was the last show we did, and that was, <laughs> <laughs> how's that for profound uh, uh, delivery? That'll go down in history. We'll we'll put that on your tombstone. I love you. Uh, but that was before the trade deadline. I went back and looked at my copious notes. And we spoke on uh, July 29th. The trade deadline this year was moved back to the 2nd of August. And uh, probably, again, the adage, the best deals are the ones you don't make, uh, proved to be true for the, for the at least for Contreras and Hap. And I got to talk about Hater. you know? Good yeah. grief. What do you think? Yeah. Well, that was that was a shocker. There's no doubt. I mean, there's like you can't sugarcoat that. Uh, you can't um, pretend to know exactly really what was going on with that because uh, I, I don't think anybody does. That was that was a front office thing, and um, um, you know, I, I really don't know, Jamie. I, I it was. Um, I think the most bizarre thing is I don't I don't ever remember any first place team trading their best player away. Um, you know, at the trade deadline and in, in, in the middle of a pen. I mean, to me, I had said during this past offseason that I thought he would be uh, trade material or at least somebody out there. I, I really thought that in order to improve their offense, they needed to go to their riches and their, and their entire pitching staff is, is a luxury right now. There's no question. I thought that was that would have been an off-season move, um, and then when I understood the closer we got to spring training, that you know, nope, they're keeping them. Uh, they're all in. He's the key cog to make sure that the, you know they're going to be World Series competitive. And then to trade him at the trade deadline was a complete stunner, and it still is to me. I still tell people all the time, I'm still not over it because I just don't understand it, and whatever. Whatever has been said and stuff um, is just—it's just hard, I think, for Brewer fans and a lot of people across baseball to completely understand uh, the timing of that move and what what the pieces were that you got back. So, yeah. <clears throat> it underscores the philosophy that I'm coming around to, and that is, it's uh, it's not going to be a real shock. It's all about the money. It's not about winning. I mean, it's like winning enough to draw your fans and keep a local TV deal. But it's like the excuses that the owners come up with. Now, Antanasio tried to say that it didn't have anything to do with money, but we know that's that's not true. It's like it's like the guy that traded uh, Babe Ruth to the Yankees saying he, he really didn't need the money. The guy was going broke and he got rid of him and that was... Uh, curse of the Bambino against the Red Sox with Hader and with Hap and with Contreras and with, um, gosh, you go back and see these, 
it's become vogue to do these deadline deals instead of the brilliant thinking that you just um, mentioned, and that is the trade trade them before the year starts when they yeah I don't get or, or wait you know wait I mean look to me you're more than halfway into your goal of pushing for the playoffs and and they had a four game lead in first place right when that happened and it's been it's obviously gone south since then without question i mean yeah. you know as we talk we're five and a half games out i mean a nine and a half game swing in three weeks is pretty amazing when you think about it um a self-induced one you know it's oh, yeah. hard to it's not it's hard not to look at that and say that was self-induced i mean so but anyway it's uh it's a very interesting scenario that they that they just chose to do that and then um and then kind of not see it through and then wait to the offseason because they still have control next year. Granted, they they would have had to pay him even more next year, but it it doesn't matter to me because he still would have been a very tradable piece during the offseason. Um, and I know it's hard to, you know, you and I talked about this before. It's hard to trade a closer. What What's going to be your value in return? Because sometimes you only pitch once a week. Sometimes you pitch twice a week. And Sometimes you're not always successful. So then what do you put a value on that? So, um, you know, they, their value obviously was they got, they got two guys are going to be part of their future, uh, hopefully the near future and not the far future. Um, but it still looks crazy that the top two closers saves wise were traded for each other and right. neither one of them has pitched well since the trade. So, yeah. I mean, it's like Harvey Kane for Rocky Calavito. I mean, it, it. I know that goes back, you know, before you were born, but still, you. It, At it least I know who Car Harvey Kane is. <laughs> uh, the Harvey Wallbangers. The uh, yeah, the '82 team lives on. I, I think it goes back. Now the philosophy seems to be, uh, let's see how we get off to a start, and then we'll go from there and make decisions, but. The Cubs did the same thing last year. They had a great uh, lead up to the trade deadline um, and, and until the guys started getting the feeling they were they were gone, and then they dumped the yeah. whole team, and the team became the worst team in baseball, and it still is one of the top 11 horrible teams. Um, and again, it goes back to you're not going to get another hater ever, and so to think that you will – I mean, these are one-of-a-kind guys, the Rizzos, the Bryants, even Schwarber, Hader. He's a one-of-a-kind guy. And to say that, well, we're going to get some prospects and then a fan, and I'm only a fan, it's like, well, wait a minute. You're going to develop these guys over five years, and then they're going to be uh, eligible for free agency, and you're going to dump them like, like you've done with every other guy. And – I think we're seeing the buyers are becoming a little smarter than the sellers in terms of the GMs. Because look at the Cubs. They tried to get rid of Contreras and <laughs> two pretty good ball players. And I think the GM said, hell, you didn't get crap for Rizzo, Brian, or Schwarber. Why the hell am I going to give you anything for these guys? And, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's a really good point because that, that had to have been what happened. I mean – you know, they're they're trying to hold these guys hostage for more than what they got from, you know, top tier elite superstars. 
And, you know, look, the, the Brewers would have taken Ian Happ in a heartbeat, but they're not going to give the Cubs their top two prospects for him and then watch those guys murder him in two or three years, you know. Um, exactly. But if they, were, if they were out of division, they may have considered it. I mean, I'd take Ian Happ any day, to be honest with you. I mean, our outfield's kind of a mess here right now, you know, as the season has gone. And, um, you know, Contreras behind the plate, I don't know. I I'd heard some things that uh, you know for what they were what they were asking for Contreras uh, his his abilities to handle a staff just aren't there for holding the guy hostage for that for that you know return or whatever. But I, I don't know all the ins and outs of all that. But uh, I know this: I would take Ian Happ on my team any day. And I, you know, Contreras, man, he. He gets a bad rap for framing, you know, which is how can we bamboozle the umpire, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, but he's got as good as arm as, as uh, anybody in baseball. And so for the guys that have a hard time holding runners on, he makes up for it. So now he's, you know, he's getting, he's 30 years old, so he's an old guy. The Cubs, um, God, who, they made a trade. Number one, the guys at the Mets who the, it looked like Contreras was going to go to said, we're not giving up our one and two guys for anybody. And I'm trying to think the white sock or the Cubs picked up somebody in the trade for like the, he was the 26th prospect on that team. I think it was the Phillies. Oh, Dombrowski, uh, whoever the Cubs just sent to Philly, Dombrowski once again pulled the wool over and I, I wouldn't trade with that guy. Any, any, he's too good. I mean, the guy, yeah. he's he's too good. But the did first, you send a relief pitcher over there? Yeah, we did. I mean, one of the uh, we sent the whole bullpen out. We sent that Efros guy. Interestingly, when I said at the beginning that trades are the best that don't happen, everybody's on the DL that the Cubs gave up, um, and then the last year guys, really Schwarber's having a good home run year. I don't know. I just think it's goofy, and and Bowie Kuhn would never have let this happen. I'm just telling you, for the in, <laughs> better interests of baseball. It's yeah, back in the fun. days when the when the trades had to be um, rubber stamped by the uh, and approved by the commissioner and stuff like that, you never hear that anymore, do you? Yeah, you don't because it's just the commissioner doesn't care as long yeah. as things keep going. And and again, that gets back to if you if you're not going to sell sign these guys, why do you have a team? And I guess the money is they're all making money. I mean, the answer yeah. is they're all making money. Anyway, yeah. it's yeah. kind of a bummer. Um, well, it's a big bummer. I mean, it, it's just um, like like I was saying, I, I'm not kidding you when I say that. I'm, I'm not over that hater trade. Yeah. And I know a lot of Brewer fans aren't, aren't either. It's just, um, it's just hard to, you know. And the other thing that we haven't discussed in this either is when you do make a trade and – a guy is as good as a person as there is off the field. You know, you, you mess with chemistry, uh, you mess with your message, uh, you mess with the, the fans, you know, that, the, you know, you, you can only, I think, trust baseball fans uh, for so, or have their trust, if you know what I'm saying, have their trust. And, you know, when you're saying, hey, this is the best deal we could have gotten for this guy. We've been exploring it for the last two years. We don't think the, you know, we could have gotten as much in the next off season and whatnot. Please trust us. 
it's just hard to do that because a guy of his stature, the last guy of his stature that left the Brewers and I think left a few fans was when Prince Fielder left, but that was for free agency. You know, it was, yeah. it was his choice to leave. I, you know, I can't remember a guy of hater stature that's gotten traded like that before that I remember, um, you know, so I don't know. Crazy stuff. Well, you mentioned the uh, chemistry and uh, Hater's not old. I mean, he, he, um, he's like 28 years old. Yeah. He's 28. Dave Robertson's the guy I was thinking of. Now, you know, he's 37 year old reliever who kind of made a big time comeback was lights out with the Cubs this year. And they traded him to Philly and got their 27th prospect in the Phillies world. When I saw it, I go, hey, that's pretty good. MLB 27 prospect, according to uh, Baseball America. And no, the 20, there were 26 better kids in the minor league than what the Cubs got. Now, how pathetic One team. Yeah. How pathetic. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, it's yeah. chemistry. And not only that, it's like, Tell me why would you tr did you trade Hater because he was losing his effectiveness, or did you trade Hater because I can't afford him in three years? Well, I mean, it's I don't I don't think it was the on field thing. I mean, everybody everybody goes through slumps at some point during the season. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's had he's had month long slumps before. Sure. Uh, um. So. I, I don't think it was – I really don't think it was that unless unless somewhere deep inside that they saw some flaw happening. But I, I would be shocked if that was it. I really would. Um, but I, I think, you know, when, when it comes down to it, I mean, they're paying him $10 million this year. If they kept him for next year, they'd have to pay him 15 or $16 million, and then he becomes a free agent. Right. So now you're like – so now if you're, if you're the, on the business side of this, you're like, do we wait until everybody knows he's going to make 15 or $16 million next year? And then what's his trade value? Is that going to go down because the cost of doing business is higher? And then he becomes a free agent. Um, I don't know. It, it gets, it gets a I little mean, tricky. It just does. It just if, gets I'm, tricky. if I'm the owner and I think that he's physically okay. And, and he has had a few bumps in the way and, with the video, everybody sees what he's struggling with so they can pass that around. But if I'm the owner, you know, I'm going to go to a 28 year old best reliever in baseball and say, look, you know, I don't think we can do a 10 year deal. Would you be interested in a five year deal for 25 million a year? And I think we can swing that and still maintain the rest of the team. And if, if hater says, you know, I'm going to test free agency, uh, then I'm good to go with trying to package him up for some stuff. The same with Riz O'Brien. But what I, what the Cubs did was I don't, according to the players, they never made a real good faith, big time offer. And I don't know if Antanasio would pay that much money or if he's worth that much money. I'm just saying I'd pursue a long-term deal, but not a ridiculous, not the 10 year deal, but a five year deal. And um, it's just crazy. Look at the deal. The, it was like the Royals in in 15 when they 
you know, had Davis at the end and Herrera in the eighth inning and then uh, the other stud in the seventh. And, and God, the Brewers had, I mean, Council didn't have to think. He just brought in Williams and Hader and before that either Suter or Boxberg or whatever his name is. I mean, yeah, yeah. that could, we could manage effectively. Well, you know, that, that's the thing about it. Then, you know, the guys that are left behind, like Williams was, was not happy at I, all. I, and so now he didn't hit us. He didn't hit the wall. Did he with his fist here? Here's well, that was, that was la- at the end of the, after they clinched last year. So obviously he didn't pitch in the postseason. but I mean, that, that's the thing. So now, right. Now you've already gone through only having one of those guys to finish a season and it didn't go well last year. And, um, you know, I, I, I just think the thing about it is just, it just messes with continuity, uh, out of nowhere. And I, and I think, I don't know, I don't know how much of this was discussed back, back in the day, but probably not. I think one thing that, uh, that players would like, because I think these guys are growing up with more transparency in their lives than as a whole, socially, personally. And I, and I think that when you reach this level of sports, that transparency, a lot of times just isn't there. Yeah. Like a lot of players are like, why didn't you tell us that he, he could potentially be traded even in the next 24 hours that you're working on a, out, out on a deal. So we're a little more prepared. Then after that, then if it happens, what's what's the game plan for us now? And right. then that's never discussed either. And so they're just left to come to the ballpark or come to the arena or what whatever sport it is and say, This is this is who we are. You're filling in doing this, you're gonna be doing that, your role's gonna change over here. And then you're like, Okay. And now we're bringing in two new guys, and one of the two new guys we've just decided to release. He's out. He hadn't even no. pitched for us. And the other guy's struggling and he's a little bit injured right now. So we can't use him for a week. And so, you know, everyone's going, you know, you sh- your head shouldn't be spinning when you're, when you're playing major league baseball or in the NBA or whatever your, your head should not be spinning for no reason. Especially when you're four games up with one of the worst offenses in baseball. Now yeah. figure it out. How did you get there? You got there with, with good pitching. But um, with the uh, <clears throat> transparency and, gosh, we should have known about it, social media, buddy, give me a break. They're all afraid that these guys are going to get on, hey, here's a rumor, hater to San Diego. And I wouldn't trust them either. With uh, And here's the other thing, dude. Can you talk to Williams and get him to cut his hair or do something different with it? Drives me absolutely crazy. Whenever he comes in the game, it's like, oh, my God, I think I'm going to turn on. I just want to listen to Euchre and not watch this guy cut the hair. <laughs> he, was say, he was saying the same thing about you in the podcast, so I don't know. <laughs> well, that's a bad dog. No, uh, I, you know, it's – um. You've got about three more weeks with the crew to put people in the stands before the opening of the real uh, NFL real season with the Packers. Yeah. yeah, Thursday night, the last preseason, they travel to Arrowhead Stadium, now called Geha Field. <laughs> what? How can you change the name? It's like 
Miller Park's Miller Park. It ain't AmFam Field. And the Chiefs got some money from Geha, which which sounds weird, but I think it's um, an employee's health assistance from somebody. That's what the EHA. Anyway, I, I, I did not know that. I deviated. So I finally figured out the playoff format. I'm excited about that. There's, I think I counted up five more weeks of baseball until the playoffs. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, it's going to be September 1st next week. There's, there's virtually one race in baseball and that's the Mets versus the Braves. That's about it. And then the American League Central, which is God only knows if, if LaRusso pulls that off. Oh my God! I'll eat a lot. Yeah, that'd be something. That that is like the way that the NL Central has turned out, and and the East seems to go a little up and down. We'll see if the if the Braves can stay strong here or not. But you know, either way, you know the um, the wild card race is a little bit tight right now. But you know, since let's see, I'll give you an example of how tough it is to even make up a game anymore. I think the Brewers at, in that trade week where they where they lost all those games and lost the their four game lead by the end of the week they were like a game or two out of first place. They were also game out from the wild card yeah. and they've been either a game or two games out, no more than two, but no less than one that entire three or four week stretch. That's how hard it is to make up ground. And they're the neck, they're the one team that's on the outside looking, you know, trying to look in here right now. So it, it's that hard to make up even a game or a half a game anymore in this in this no, I totally especially when you have to like with the White Sox, they have to go over like four or five teams in the wild card, Cleveland and Minnesota. But again, you guys have, and I hate to bring up bad news, but this isn't news. Eight and 12 in August since the hater trade. Um, it, there's so much about chemistry, and that, and then a different, he goes to with a different mound, a different manager, a different trainer, a different group of guys, a different ballpark. He's got to find an apartment. There's so many goofy things that go into it. And I didn't realize what you just said about how the, from the pitching side of the deal for the Brewers laid an egg with the, um, you know, the second leading closer. And then you released a guy in that deal. Yeah. The Cubs yeah. It's, it's just the whole thing. just been, you know, the, the, the only good news about this is the only silver lining, I should say, not good news. The only silver lining is like you said, there's still five weeks left and you really don't know what's going to happen. No, uh, you don't. And, and last year, you know, a team like Milwaukee was had such a big lead and they ended up they were just counting the days down throughout the whole month of September when they're going to officially clinch this thing. And then they did with a little over a week to go, but they didn't do it with uh, a head of steam. You know, the Cardinals came on again and like they always do. And then once they clinched it and stuff, it, it's hard to stay on top of your game when you're not playing for anything. And I, I'm a big believer in baseball with that. You need to have your juices flowing, you know, right up until the playoffs start. So we'll see who's got that going. Um, yeah, I, you brought you're, you're bringing back the 2021 Cubs by the fact that Milwaukee had such a huge lead. It's because, you know, one of the teams, 
in their division was the double-A caliber. Yeah. The cards shoot themselves in the foot, although this year they can overcome a lot of that. But the, uh, it's just, it's an, it, the whole thing's interesting. I, I just looked up the, the whip, which I, is the only sabermetric thing I, that I like. The, the walks and hits per inning pitched. And the Brewers um, are in 12th place in the, in, in the whip, which surprises me because um, they have a strong bullpen. The starters have been getting roughed up. I, you know, I've always thought the way Council kind of ran things that would catch up to them, but that, you can say that about anybody. I mean, you only got 13 pitchers and you got to do, I mean, I'm not faulting Craig. He's a great manager. I, it's just goofy. And then I go back to the time of the games. I go back to robo umps. I'm all over the board because I don't have a team in the hunt. My yeah, the dirty dog pound, the, the crappy eight teams I've now expanded to 11. The Royals are pathetic. The Cubs are pathetic. So all I have to do is nitpick about Major League Baseball and cry about Ricketts and, and Venom about La Russa. Um, but here's the deal. On Monday night, the Cubs beat the Cardinals. No, they lost to the Cardinals one to nothing on a Pujols home run. There were five hits in the game, and they were like under 300 pitches combined. Two hours and 16 minutes. Yesterday afternoon. That's a treat. Yesterday afternoon, the Cubs win two to nothing. There's nine hits. And almost 400 pitches, three hours and 16 minutes for one more run. Wow. Here's a whole nother hour. Here is my academic profound conclusion. The umpires need to start calling more strikes or bring in a robot. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, I don't know what the deal is to be honest with you. I mean, it's, I, I kind of look at it too, and not to get you know overly negative about something you and I can't control. You and I are not negative people, but but no, <laughs> I think the thing I this is like I, I try to dial in sometimes and think how things have changed over the years that I've been just covering this sport for twenty two years, and it went from the games were long. You know, Yankees, Boston always had, you know, big offenses. Then the Brewers went through their span of a couple of decades of having big offenses. You know, a lot of teams did. And I think, you know, I think at that time, the offenses dictated the length of the games. Yes. If they went, if they went three hours or they went three and a half hours, they went four hours. All you had to do is check the final score. It was 15 to 10. So, and there was a combined 35 hits. There were 18 pitching chain, all the stuff, you know, this is what makes a game long. But now it's reverse. You talk about the whip and you're surprised the Brewers are in the middle of the pack on that. They walk a lot of players. And sometimes the philosophy now is it's better to walk somebody than to give up a hit, or it's better to walk somebody uh, than have them hit a sacrifice fly or it's better to walk somebody rather than give up a home run in this situation. So you'd rather put them on base and deal with the next batter and take your chances. 
All right, so there's that. That lengthens games out. Foul balls have to be at a historic high. It's yeah. stunning to me how many how many balls are fouled off, and not just the traditional pop foul that goes behind home plate or oh. high. This, this stuff is just tapped, and you can still see the ball from center field. You can still see the ball; it's going nowhere. Uh, but it, I, know where this is, I know where this is coming from. This is dead. It so was, it was so, so, now, so. You've got that, and Madrigal, then um, Madrigal, Madrigal. Woodruff. Well, yeah, I mean, those, those at-bats were off the chart. So, oh. you know, you open up you open up a game with a 13-pitch at-bat. I mean, that, that's just stuff doesn't happen. But um, – and then and then the zones are, are, are tight. You get, a, you get a strike that's uh, not called, and you get a ball that's called a strike. And so all the inconsistencies are in there and stuff. So but – I, but I think the – the long at bats and then here's the other one jamie a lot of a lot of the hits i think that we're seeing against certain pitchers uh we we have a couple of pitchers on the brewer's side that have they induce a ball in play and the ball is pounded into the dirt in front of home plate and trickles into the grass into no man's land and then you have your shift on so no infielder can de- get to it. Then it's up to the pitcher or maybe the catcher, but it's an infield hit probably nine out of 10 times. So now you've got, you've got these hits, you've got these long at bats that result into something like that, or an inning continues. It was two outs and you get that stuff going two or three times in a row. Suddenly the bases are loaded. Suddenly you've got an inning that you thought was going to be a, an eight or nine pitch four minute inning and it turns out to be a 27 pitch 26 minute inning you know it's it's crazy how it it just all of a sudden turns and it never used to be that way well the other thing and I think I I give credit to the Brewers but that's only because I watched them play the Cubs more than probably anybody but it seemed somewhere in the last five years maybe and I'm not sure who the pitching coach was but it seemed like um the strategy was to go into your stretch and then just sit there for 15 or 20 seconds and see if the batter's going to uh, give in finally and call timeout. I know the Brewers were, It's it just seems like <clears throat> I, I timed Darvish once. It's like one ball in play f- every four minutes. I mean, it's yeah. like, and we've talked about it. Um, the foul ball thing, I've never really thought about it, but I I was laughing with um as I was watching the Cub game. Then I knew Woodruff's these if he just gets lucky, he's gonna make it through five innings. Madrigal that was like an 18 or 19 pitch at bat, and then Horner comes in and fouls off another five or six, and before you know it, he's at 35 pitches through the first inning and gives up a run because it's like a boxer, you know, if you can keep him you know, on up and, and moving and grooving at the end of the fight, he's not as productive as you might be at the beginning. And the same thing with respect to uh, the starting pitcher. They're not, they're not really geared to go 35 without getting a five minute break. So, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah. um, no, I just thought that was an interesting point. And I've, and I've, and I brought it up to, you know, some former players and stuff that, that come, that come through the, 
press box and whatnot sometimes. And, and they're, they're in agreement with that, that, um, and I think that's, that's also part of the, of where this game is slowed, slowed down, you know, that, you know, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of foul balls and infield hits, um, you know, and I, and I know on the box score, it's like, Hey, that, that single could have been off the wall, but really it wasn't, it didn't get past, past the pitcher's mound. I, mean, I, don't, but, I think I can solve every problem in baseball, speed of the game, the umpires, the shift, you name it. I have no idea how, I mean, guys don't go up there trying to hit foul balls. You know, when the, when the announcer goes, Oh, he fouled off another one. I don't think he was trying to just get a piece of it. He was swinging for a hit. It just happened that the ball move is bad. I mean, you can't, other than Luke Appling, who I think uh, uh, B.A. and his broadcast mentioned during that Madrigal at bat. Uh, speaking of Madrigal, he's the only guy the Cubs got in the whole offseason or all those trades last year. That was for Kimbrell. And I think Madrigal's pay, played 30 games since the trade. I mean, he's been hurt. Um, yeah. So, again, it goes back to don't do anything. <laughs> Stupid, you know. If you want to be a brilliant GM, just turn your phone off at the trade deadline. Unless, in look at Tatis. Oh my God! Here you pay all this money. The guy breaks his wrist on a motorcycle, and then he's popping performance-enhancing whatever. I don't get it. I mean, can you imagine how upset if you own that team? Uh, you, you spend gazillions of dollars, and then. What do they get? I mean, the Padres, the Dodgers are unreal. Well, yeah. I mean, think about, um, you know, we had talked a little bit about when the Brewers traded away Hater, how dramatically quick they fell uh, in, in the standings. And the Padres didn't fall, but they lost a ton of ground from the where they were at the trade deadline thinking that they'd make this push with, you know, getting Juan Soto and Josh Hader. And they're that at that time they expected Tatis to come back and stuff. And, um, you know, to be 17, 18, 19, 20 games back, whatever they are right now and are in a dog fight to try to even make the playoffs at this point is it's crazy to think that look at all the talent on that team, even minus Tatis. He, hasn't been my thing is he hasn't been there all year anyway so this team this team is still really pretty doggone good yeah that's a good team to be only like 10 games over 500 it goes back to chemistry that and i go back to before you were born to the 85 royals they win the world series and then they get rid of pete lecoq and jose cardinal two guys that you go big deal chemistry man it's the same with eric hosmer He's a big time chemistry guy who kind of transcends every demographic on a team. He did it with the Royals. He was Mr. Popular with everybody. And I think he was the same way with the, uh, the Padres. And you get rid of Hosmer in order to pull off the, the trades. And I just think it's funny. I go back to Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, the guy bounces around and here, there, and everywhere. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you about, do you think, Council would have made the move that Melvin made in taking Hater out of the closer role after one bad outing. I was shocked. I can't remember. Well, I, I, you know, 
here, here's the thing, though. I, I will say this. The one thing that surprised me the most about what the Padres did is they asked Josh Hader to do something he hasn't done in two years, and that's coming in the eighth inning and then finish the game. Sure. I mean, again, it goes back to when I'm, when I'm saying these guys all of a sudden don't know what their roles are anymore. And, you know, there, there's, there is no way Josh Hader, if he agreed to do that, if they talked ahead of time, if he agreed to do that, I'm, I guarantee you he did it with a, a lot of caution in the back of his head because he wanted to be a one-inning guy and that's it. And look, they had Devin Williams and Boxberger and Gott and a few other guys that they could put in that role to keep them in the one inning. Yeah. And it was it was bizarre when he came in in the eighth inning of his last blow up before they allegedly took him out of that role. I mean, they're they're doing it to, to ease his and straighten out his head a little bit and give him some confidence. But um, I, again, it still goes back to. All right, new team, like you were saying, new adjustments to thing, new teammates, and now uh, a brand new role like this. It's like, okay, yeah, uh, where am I making that work? I'm walking out to the bullpen with dudes I don't know. I'm sitting around shooting the breeze for eight innings, like everybody they do in the bullpen. These aren't my guys that I've been with for four years. Yeah, right. The other dumb thing they do, these guys do, and. uh, um, I never, for the life of me, understand it. I, I haven't statistically analyzed it, but I bet it backfires way more than it doesn't. And that's bringing in a closer in a tie game. You know, they do it when you're at home. You know, it's tied up, and we're going to bring him in, and then we can win the game. It never works. A closer. It's it's just like you said. They're not comfortable with that situation. They're comfortable with a one game lead. I'm going to throw 10 pitches and I'm going to maybe Hater live dangerously a little bit, walking a few guys, but he ultimately, when the dust settled, man, there was nobody better. And um, I, I just, it's like trading Lou Gehrig. I mean, Lou's going to expect a big deal in a couple of years, but how do you do that? How do you trade your star and then sell the players number one and the fans number two? And I think we've, we've covered, I think maybe a bigger impact on the team than on the fan base, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big, big, big deal to pull something like that off. And, and it's all about timing. I mean, you, you do it in the off season and it's, and it's something that everyone uh, gets used to in their own way and has nothing to do with being part of the team. And then you show up and then you meet your new teammates and you hear a new message, you know, from the manager and the, the owner and whatnot. And so, uh, but to have something like that happen in the middle, um, too risky. I mean, I don't know that that's just me, but um, anyway, it's. I agree. And I think these guys start, well, we got to make a deal to make a deal. And Hoyer finally realized that he's not going to get diddly. So I, I don't, I don't get Hoyer, but I also don't get the fact that it surprised me that only the Yankees have a higher percentage of scoring runs on off home runs than your guys. Your crew's like fifty-two percent of the runs scored this year 
this may have come from your buddy shrimp scampi but 52 percent of the runs scored by the brewers come off of homers i mean that when you're yeah, talking I mean, about the game's ridiculous different. yeah yeah now we had very very rare games uh that i can even go back to and remember that just scoring runs period uh let alone winning a game didn't come you know after hitting a home run or two well the brewers have an affinity and we've laughed about this before and i'm not one to talk about physiques but you always have rather large boisterous first baseman you know going back to fielder and then uh Jesus, and then uh, the guy, I've never heard of this guy, and now he's just banging the ball all over the ballpark. Uh, yeah. Rowdy. Telez, Rowdy Telez, yeah. What a great, what a great name. Um, you know, it goes, again, we're down to the nitty-gritty, and there are probably 12 good teams in baseball and a few mediocre teams, and then the bottom of the barrel and the – I guess the biggest out of all, I'll list quickly 11 teams, and you tell me who you're shocked by the most. The Nationals, the Pirates, the Reds, the Cubs, the A's, the Tigers, the Royals, the Rangers, the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, and the Angels. Out of all those teams and what's going on in the background, who of those 11 are the doggiest? Huh? How's that, buddy? We don't, we don't, we don't have the dogs going on here. I don't know what's going on inside my house. I like it uh, for the listeners. At least the security system is on. <laughs> <laughs> They're going. Finally, this play, this telecast has gone to the dogs. Pop. So those those eleven teams, I think we must have got a delivery. That's what happens when you have two dogs and the windows are open. Well, it's you know this is the dog segment of the show. You know, last time I said, we're going to have the dog of the year award for the, and uh, I had eight teams in there, but some of them have joined the ranks. So we got 11 dogs. I'd say, I'd say in all honesty, out of those dogs, um, and, and I'm not picking on your Cubs, but, but they, they shouldn't be in that group. Right. I mean, they, sh- they just shouldn't be in that group. They've got, they're still selling out the ballpark. They still have a following. They still have an owner with a lot of money. They still have a revenue stream uh, is as good as any other team in baseball. To, to be where they are is they just shouldn't be there. I'm not saying it's inexcusable on ownership. You could say that, but it, it they should not be where they are. The other teams, the other teams are who they are, you know, and and that's and that's where the Brewers don't want to be but I'm not sure something figured out for Josh Hader during the offseason would have still kept him in, in that higher level where they are now. And for all of our millions of listeners of this podcast, I'm telling you, I couldn't have, I couldn't have uh, keyed that any better to my production staff when we're talking about doggy teams to have in the background Craig's great dogs. I mean, this is like it couldn't happen any better. I would – I, Mitzi, come here. Mitzi. I have a dog interview. It's gonna. Why don't you have your dog talk to you? And I think people say that'd be better than Yuretsky. Um <laughs> Who do you think of those teams um, would have the highest payroll? I guess the, the Cubs before they cut everybody. Uh, the Angels clearly are just path- 
pathetic. How does how how does that happen uh, to uh, a team that that much money every year? They've got Trout and then uh, Don or whatever his name is at third. Well, that that to me that that franchise and you know I don't follow them very closely because they're out west and they're in the American League and whatnot. But um, that franchise will always surprise me for as little as I pay attention to how bad they all are, as talented as they are, the um, the press that they get because of Otani and, uh, you know, and Trout's healthy, but he never is. The fact that he's only been in one, he's only been in one uh, playoff, yeah. right, in all his years. Uh, I mean, that's crazy stuff. And now they're going to, sounds like they're going to sell the team. Ah, well, now that could be the best news going. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I mean, good news for for Los Angeles market and good news for, you know, trying to build a competition for the Dodgers right now or whatever. I, I don't know. I don't see it happening, but we yeah. shall see. Um, you know, it's just funny how how uh, the West Coast teams, now you got the Mariners that are, that are in the hunt for the wild card, which is which is great. But I mean, I know they have a, a big time rookie um, who I can't even remember his name. There's some, there's some good rookies. The guy that I like the best, I don't even know if he was on the team when you saw them play the Braves is this, and he could have, his names could be either way. You could change him. He's, I think his real name is Vaughn Grissom. Grissom Vaughn. Um, yeah. But, and he's only played in, he's only had 50 at bats hitting 420. But I love these guys that get drafted in the 11th round and then only spend two years in the minor leagues, clearly not a prospect, and get pulled up. Um, so I like that. The, this kid, Quan for Cleveland has been good. Uh, the Royals, clearly, uh, Bobby Witt Jr. is good. But then they've got this first baseman, Pasek Patino or something that's been tough. I don't know. It's, it's just... It's um I hate to say it. It's just kind of right now it's a yawning product, don't you uh, to me. Well, I think like some of the guys that you're talking about, <clears throat> I, I think um, you know, the draft has been drastically reduced and I and I think more college players are getting drafted now and, and I think they're just um drafted assuming that they're gonna be major league ready within a year or two. Right. And and or or you know sooner with some of these guys, and so they're pushed ahead, and they're probably thinking if they spent another year in the in the minors at this point, I'm not sure how much further ahead they'd be. So let's test them at this level now. So I think you're going to see. Well, we are seeing, but I think even more college players who are drafted, they're basically going to be expected to either be in the majors and within a, uh, a couple of years or maybe not go at all. Yeah. So, right. you know, we shall see. Well, I'll tell you what, the, um, the crew's still alive. The uh, uh, White Sox are just, oh my God, shooting themselves in the foot with, uh, with La Russa. And a general malaise over the team, which is kind of interesting. And then, uh, I, you know, what's the best story in baseball besides your dogs? I had, I had to mute and, and yell. <laughs> uh, let's, 
what's the best story in if you were to pick one story in baseball right now uh, besides Albert Pujols I guess that's that's the well, best I was going to ask you about that because it is the best story in baseball going right now. It's it's crazy. I don't I don't you know I don't want to admit it because it's the Cardinals, but I mean, let, let's face it. They they started surging when he started actually hitting home runs again, and he's still hitting home runs. And now he's he's become at forty two or fifty two, however old he is, becoming. Uh, a guy that can win you a one nothing game who saw that coming yeah so well, he's going to get to 700 i mean probably oh, he needs four more right four or five something like that yeah yeah um I, uh, I share the i the the lack of love for the birds on a bat but i do kind of admire the ownership for having molina Wainwright, who's having a really good year, and Pujols. And again, it goes down to uh, chemistry. That The Cubs don't have Bob Lackey or John Lackey or his brother Bob you, <laughs> you know, or Lester. If yeah. those guys um, – and, and I got to say that the, the current double-A crop of the Chicago Cubs is kind of interesting. Morell is kind of fun to watch. Horner's the real deal. Um, wisdom is he is that there? Kyle Schwarber hit a home run or strike out. Um, but with Pujols, um, this is a guy I've told the story before, but uh, one of my good friends had a managed a travel team baseball group. And as our kids went from Little League to Pony League to American Legion to travel team for uh, college kids coming uh, home for the summer. They had a pretty good travel team, and he sent his assistant coach to Maplewoods Junior College to watch a kid play shortstop. He comes back and goes, he's got no range and not much pop in his bat. We don't want to dampen our roster with this Pujols kid. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, you know, really? It's yeah. like, I guess the Brett in the minor leagues was not the Brett in the major leagues, but Pujols is good. I got to say, Wainwright's, I mean, I hate the Cardinals, but Wainwright's kind of a fun story. And um, well, we faced him. Uh, let's see. I think he had his one of his worst outings ever. Well, when they were in Colorado a couple of weeks ago, um, him and uh, Michaelis both had their worst outings, I think, in their careers. I, I think um, Wainwright pitched four innings and 110 pitches. And I think Michaelis pitched like two and two thirds and gave up 10 earned runs. And then they came back to St. Louis to play the Brewers and pitched lights out. Wainwright actually looked uh, incredibly stellar, just old school curveballs, off speed, fastball at 90, 91. Um, I think he's and, better. And just carved through. I mean, who can do that? A guy that's been around and has been successful his entire career. Well, Those are the guys that can pull that off. He's got the same guy. I was going to say calling signals, you know, putting down the fingers, but now they press a button. Uh, you know, he's got, he's had Molina. I mean, Molina and he are, you know, I think 
right there with Del Crandall and Warren Spahn in terms of battery mates that have played the most together. But the other fun <laughs> thing about watching that team, the Cardinals, who I share, I just can't stand. Um, it's fun to watch Molina kind of get old. I mean, he threw a ball in the center field yesterday. That never would have happened, guys. They had a mediocre base runner steal on him in the Cubs game. And yeah. he he just ripped the ball. I mean, ripped the ball to left field. The wind was kind of not doing anything, and it, it was to the warning track. So, I mean, I'm not taking delight in the demise of a Hall of Fame guy, but I really am. <laughs> Apparently so. Did yeah. you see that um, he owns a uh, a <laughs> soccer team in his home country, and last weekend – he was excused because they had a big game and he owns a team and he wanted to be there for it. And so he, he left for the weekend. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Well, and the broadcaster goes, Oh, I bet the clubhouse didn't like that. And I'm going, it's Yadier Molina. I'm, they, they hold this guy in reverence. If he wanted to go to, you know, take a couple of days to bask in the Wisconsin Dells, I don't think anybody would, but I did hear that. I did think that was funny. Here's, yeah. here's a question for you. I hate to put you on the spot, but I like to, because I would never have known the answer to this if I hadn't. In doing my thorough prep job for On the Lighter Side of Baseball, in all your the light that I knew I would have because of my co-host coming back with the show and really not missing a show, who has the best batting average, team team batting average? And I'm going to, we're going to wrap up the show with this subject. The And, and, I will bring two bottles of wine for our dinner next week or whenever, if you get the answer right. The best team batting average in the major leagues. Best team batting average in the major leagues. Dun, dun. I wish I would have looked up my stats before I came dun, dun, dun. onto this call. Now, you if think, if you, you put, think I will guess it? If you put your cerebral hat on and the analytical capabilities that we've seen for years in Craig Kashan, you would, you would stumble. Now you're not feeling lightheaded or light aired, are you? That's a hint. Oh, I haven't had breakfast yet because I had to schedule this podcast. You're lightheaded. Now that happens in a venue in the major leagues. Uh, best batting average in the majors. I Rocky Mountain High, Collar, the Rockies. Well, I was going to guess. I was going to guess. Thought you I would. Would guess either the Rockies or the Dodgers, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because yeah. half of their games are in double digit scoring because they're home. They're like the only team. Does that mean you're still going to bring two bottles of wine? I am going to bring two bottles of GTS. All right. All right. You deserve it. Oh, my God. All right. Go get your dogs. It's been a dog. Right, you're the best. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to put the crowd on hold for two seconds. And so there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Craig Hashan hour. What a blast that was. Uh, either like the dogs being on the doggy portion of the uh, show or you don't. I kind of, I thought it was great. Couldn't have asked for anything better than dogs barking during discussion over the 11 dogs. Uh, Craig's dog of the year were the Cubs. My dog of the year, the Angels. Um, but the Royals are trying. They just are doggy. So anyway, that's it. That's the dog pound for the day.
and uh, we'll be back in a week. There are five weeks left of the season and then another five weeks of the playoffs. I figured out the playoff format. And let me just tell you here to wrap things up, something educational for you baseball fans out there. I have analyzed and understand now how the playoffs are going to work. And, you know, they keep talking about the number of wild cards of having expanded. Six teams from each league will make the playoffs and they'll be seeded based on their records one through six. So in the National League, for example, the Dodgers are going to be clearly number one in the American League. The Yankees should be number one unless they continue to fold. And so number one and number two, um, I guess one in each league gets a buy. And if the two top records in the same league happen, I can't, I got to tell you, I struck out on that one. So the wild card, the, the two wild card teams that have the worst records, um, don't play each other, which is kind of weird. The worst division winner, which will be from the central division of the American League, so say the Twins, the Indians, or the White Sox, will play the sixth place wild card team. And then the other two wild card teams will play two out of three series. And then each of those will then finalize the format for the four division series. Have I confused everybody? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's it. And then they play. And then the other, then the winners of that go to the LCS. Da 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 da. It goes on like it did before. I'm going to research the other thing that I brought up. But anyway, that's it. I hope everybody has a great day. If you're playing golf, hit them straight. If you're just kind of hanging out, then have a good day. And for Spotify, Apple iTunes, SoundCloud, probably my Facebook if I still have one. I know I think I got rid of it. Uh, that's it for Jamie Reske and Craig Kashan on the lighter side of baseball. We'll come to you next probably from... Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're going to try to do an on-the-set podcast at Ward's House of Prime with our good friend Brian Ward. Drink a couple bottles of Tom Seaver wine. So you're going to want to put that on your calendar. Circle the date. It'll probably be posted shortly after September the 7th. And uh, that's it for now. So have a great day and enjoy what you're doing.